Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. We're very lucky and fortunate to have with us today the uh, the director, <coughs> pardon me, the director of a wonderful new documentary called The Peacemaker. The film is directed by James Demo, and it's an intimate portrait of Parekh O'Malley, an international peacemaker who helps make peace for others but struggles to find it for himself. The film takes us from Parekh's... Um, Pareg's uh, isolated life in Cambridge, Massachusetts, to some of the most dangerous crisis zones on Earth, from Northern Ireland to Kosovo to Nigeria to Iraq. He is an amazing man, amazing person in terms of uh, not only his skill set, but his ability to understand conflict, understand what it takes to bring people together, and uh, some of the models that he, in terms of how he did it, I'm sure will be used moving forward in in terms of reconciliation for decades to come. Uh, once again, I want to introduce our our, our guest, uh, James Demo, director of the film The Peacemaker. James, welcome to Film School. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. What a remarkable person he is. Tell us a little bit about how you were sort of introduced to uh, to uh, Pareg O'Malley. Well, it was, it was in kind of an odd way. He, um, I was living in Cambridge, Massachusetts at the time, and uh, my corner bar was this bar called The Plow and Stars, and it's named after the Sean, Sean O'Casey play. Um, and it was really a, a corner bar on Mass Avenue, sort of halfway between Harvard and MIT. Um, and every time I would go in, they, they got, sort of got word that I was a filmmaker. They'd tell me about this bar owner, of the Plow and Stars that, at the time, was over in Iraq. Um, it was must have been around 2008 when I first heard the story. And he was trying to get all the leaders, um, the Sunni Shia and Kurd, um, together uh, to a table. Um, and this was, you know, at the height of the uh, insurgency. I think the surge had just begun. Um, but not only that, he was bringing in the chief negotiators from Northern Ireland and South Africa. Um, Sio Ramaphosa, who's actually now president of South Africa, was one of the people he brought in. Uh, Martin McGuinness, the former chief of staff of the IRA, who was first deputy minister of Northern Ireland at the time, brought him in with both sides um, of each conflict to talk to the Iraqis. And I thought, you know, that's a really interesting idea, sort of who better to talk to the Iraqis about, um, you know, getting... to a point of reconciliation than the Northern Irish and the South Africans. Then I think I heard the personal side of the story, and that was that Korg was um, a recovering alcoholic. Um, the story at the time was that he was in the green zone looking for AA meetings and couldn't find one. Um, I, he's dispelled that that with me, so I want to make that clear. But um, uh, so he was he was over there doing this work, and I you know the the big question was, how is this bar owner from Cambridge, Massachusetts, I knew Porg is just this bar owner, um, doing this kind of high-level work, and um, I had to know more. So I arranged a meeting with him in uh, in Boston uh, 
we actually met in a library. Poor doesn't really go into the bar because he is a recovering alcoholic. Um, and he told me his life story. And I knew immediately when I sat down with him that I had to make the film. Um, his backstory was incredible. Um, and he was about to embark on this new project where he was bringing divided cities together, uh, together both sides of a conflict in each divided city. And he was going to hold a meeting in each conflict zone. And they were going to Mitrovica, Kosovo, and, and um, northern Kosovo. But I think at some point um, through the process of making the film, as interesting as the work was and these conflicts were, that the poor sort of inner conflict was was starting to uh, come to fore. And um, really the, the question of why he was doing the work, not the how, sort of became uh, the, the bigger the bigger question for me. Yeah, he is in 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 ways not a he's a bit of a prickly personality. Is that is, am I being fair to him? I, I think that's fair. I think he would agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, but one thing that comes across as much as he he has a sort of an abrupt manner with with some people in the film, he's he's immediately likable I, I i was drawn to him and I, I think a part of it is sort of his countenance his his bearing if you will he seems to have been a man who's lived life just if you didn't know anything about him. if you walked into a room you would look at him in my opinion and see this sort of a man who has weathered a lot of storms in his life and knows conflict now how he knows conflict is certainly a big part of the film and and so uh and but uh he has that bearing and i i, I think that you know, in addition to his intelligence and his ability to sort of talk to people in a very direct way is is also part of it. But do you share that perspective? Is that a, am, am I framing him correctly in that regard? No, I think I think you are. I mean, you know, Pori for, for certain does not suffer fools gladly. That right. that is right. You know that the minute you meet him. Um, but Pori really, and he would say this to me, and this was you know as we developed a relationship over making the film. He really had two personalities and has two personalities. He has personality that when he's sort of on these big stages in Iraq and northern Nigeria and northern Ireland and the person he is at home. And he's able to sort of push himself um, to be um, this engaging figure. Um, And it's not that it's fake. It's a piece of him. But it's, you know, he's Porg is really in his own personal life. He lives in isolation there's this really strong contrast about, you know, how he is when he's home. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Someone asked me the question about what I meant by, like, living in isolation. But he would get up every morning and work, um, brutal amount of work, and wouldn't leave this little apartment you see in the film yeah. all day except for to go every night to the same restaurant and order the same meal, exact same meal. They didn't even give him the menu. They'd just bring it to him, pay the bill, and leave and go back home. And, you know, he would say to me, uh, you know, because I would check in on him in film, that I was one of the only social contacts that he would have during these really long periods of time. You contrast that, though, when we would go with him to Iraq, and he'd be in the middle of this world when we'd have, you know, 600 Iraqi police around us. We'd have, um, you know, the... the, um, provincial council we would have um all these these uh delegates coming in from all over the world and then he would he was able to access that other part of his personality to become more of a social being and and able to engage with people and porig is if he has one real quality that allows him to do what he does is that 
he can get people to trust him from both sides of a conflict. And that, to me, today is as remarkable as when I first met him, that, you know, as a Irish Catholic from Dublin, he can go up to the Shank Hill in, in Northern Ireland, the really hardcore Protestant area where um, you wouldn't walk if you were Catholic, and he would go into their bars and be able to win them over. And, you know, to be able to do that um, is a talent uh, beyond um, anything I, I, I don't think anyone could really fully understand. Right. Well, in watching the film, and I know this is going to sound a little odd to say it this way, but I want to give him a hug when wa- just watching him. <laughs> I feel I feel like he's he has been through, and I, I it's just such a well told uh, profile of this man. It just it it, 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 it for there's, he's a complex man. There's a lot of contradictions. There are things uh, that he yeah just as you're describing him. But at the end of the day. Uh, you know what he's doing is brave and selfless and uh, pretty remarkable. Absolutely, all the things that you know you would want if you were someone who was in the business of doing what he does. Uh, he had he possesses all of those qualities, and uh, yeah. And I and I, I want to psychoanalyze him, but I wonder about his his dealing with alcoholism and what how much turmoil it created in his personal life and also coupled with the fact that as he describes at the very beginning of the film being from ireland he said that's if there's one thing people around the world know about ireland they they know of and the irish people they know that they've been through conflict so that is kind of a calling card of sorts for him but this complexity just it's hard it's hard not to be drawn to him and i can see he's, he's incredibly um charismatic in that way and um in yeah. maybe not even charismatic is the word but you do uh, i i look at pouring um his his story is kind of bittersweet in a way yeah. i mean he's moved to do this incredible work but it comes from uh you know these maybe some of these um um darker parts of his personality um certainly uh you know he would say to me, that he relates to anti-heroes in, in a lot of sense. You know, he would watch um, Homeland and, and relate to the, the woman, Claire Dane's character, and because Pork is driven very much by the conflict within him. He needs to be doing work. He needs to be out um, in the world doing it. And it, what, what comes from it, what manifests is this amazing thing, this, this attempt at peacemaking. You look at these these processes and they're so difficult they're yeah. so incremental um it's you know one step forward two steps back and the idea that anyone would even try to take that on is is amazing to me but you know the fact that porg is able to do it why and the why for porg is that he really has to i mean he has transferred his addictions yeah. he says um from um alcohol to the work there's this moment sort of in the middle of the film that we you know, used to, you know, you put cards on the wall for each scene, and um, we call it Wolves at Bay because it was, he explains that if he's not working, he has this overwhelming sense of despair, and not just for, you know, days, but even hours, you know, he starts um, going through withdrawal symptoms. So the the work for him is something that he has to do in, in some sense, and will continue to do it, and Really, when I think I knew that I was done with the film was that, you know, towards the end of the film, we see him walk out again to go out in this conflict zone, knowing everything that he's up against, both 
personally and in the conflict and everything else. But if I could explain sort of to the audience why he's leaving, why he walks down those stairs, um, sort of I think my job of what I was trying to do with the film was, was done. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a beautiful, beautiful scene um, where he's at a meeting and he gives a very frank and very touching soliloquy. I mean, it feels like it's almost Shakespearean in the way he describes who he is and what all of this means to him. And um, it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful um, – I, 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 I always <laughs> feel funny about sort of – uh, celebrating in a way some uh, one person's you know obviously very difficult condition, but that's that's him. That's is what he's about, and um, yeah, that capturing that and, and you really, I felt like you really captured the essence of him in in the film. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, you know the the thing about someone like Korg, it would have been wrong to not go into the complexities and sort of you know. It, with portraiture, it's sort of the, you know, painting the, the light side and dark side of the face. And, you know, at the end of the day, Porig is an incredibly complex individual to do something like a hagiography of the peacemaker that um, is out doing this good work and he's wonderful and everything is fine and the doves fly would have been a disservice to Porig. It would have been a disservice to, you know, the conflicts. It would have been a disservice to everything. It was really about this idea with Borg that um, peace processes are a lot like recovery in that you constantly have to tend to that garden. Otherwise it, it unravels. And that is, you know, post good Friday in Northern Ireland, that's uh, post free elections in South Africa. That's um, anything that might happen that looks like peace in Iraq, that even when the peace processes seems like it's done with the big agreement that gets signed, you have to keep doing it. You have to keep working at reconciliation. And, with Porig in recovery, he feels the same way. You can't, you know, doves don't fly when you find recovery in a meeting. You end up uh, having to work at it and continue to work at it. And the minute that you forget and think that everything's fine, you slip back into addiction. And, you know, the real, one of the really amazing things about sort of what we found showing the film is that the recovery community kind of responds to that really realistic look at, you know, recovery that we're not, you know, showing this, you know, the happy music ending, that it's this ongoing process for Porig, that you can still be productive in the throes of it. With the recovery, with uh, the peace processes, we were fortunate enough to show the film um, in Columbia, right the night after the FARC agreement got signed down in Columbia at the National Museum, and um, Porig ended up having a day of discussions at the National Museum, and the ideas that you know, this idea of bringing other cultures in conflict in to learn from it appeals to the Colombians and Northern Irish have been going down there a lot. Porig yeah. is really the the founding, you know, if you can ha- your hang, hang your hat on anything with Porig is, he sort of developed a model of bringing other cultures in conflict in. He did it first when he brought Mandela into the Northern Irish peace process. So, yeah. you know, it, there's these parallels between addiction and recovery and conflict and reconciliation that are just... Um, very obvious, and, and Porg sort of made those connections. Remind our listeners, we're speaking with James Demo. He is the director of the film The Peacemaker. We're talking about Porg O'Malley and his remarkable uh, vocation, avocation that he is uh, embarked upon. And this, you're right, exactly. The, I, I should we, we need to talk it in 
that model of bringing and brilliant. I mean, I it's one of those things. I don't know how often it had been done prior to to him implementing it, but what a brilliant idea to bring in people who at one point seemed completely irreconcilable in 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 and in intractable uh, conflicts to bring them in to to show the the people who are currently in that situation that there is a way out. It may take a while. It may be painful. It may be a lot of things, but there is a way forward. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, and I also uh, be very curious. Well, I, I just wanted just to, just to touch on that. I yeah. mean, I think, yeah. you know, Porg was the first. I mean, he brought Mandela into the Northern Irish peace process. Okay. He brought the South Africans both sides into the Northern Irish peace process. Um, oh. Today, rightfully, the Northern Irish and the South Africans go around the world and share what they've learned. Yeah. Um, Martin McGinnis, who um, was the chief of staff of the IRA, said to me in an interview that the reason he went to Iraq was because he was helped by the South Africans in the conflict in Northern Ireland. So, um, yeah. you know, well, Porg, that is, I think, Porg's contribution to all of this. Yeah. I mean, I think this idea that you bring other cultures in to share stories, and it's, it's really, really powerful, I yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's it, and it's brilliant. It was a brilliant thing, and I, I wasn't quite sure if he was the first to do it, but yeah, what you're saying is absolutely. It is, and it's so, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very effective. I w- can't imagine that it wouldn't have an impact on the people that are being addressed by these people who have been through it all already. Well, just in the last minute I have with you, uh, what's been? What was his reaction to seeing the film for the first time? It was kind of funny because he he didn't you know when you make this is such a personal film and I wanted him to see it so many times before it premiered um, but he would say Jim we had this agreement that I'm never going to watch the film and he I always thought he was joking but you know as we were getting closer and I needed to lock the film um, he kept saying and I said boy you really need to see this I, you know I want to have you know discussions about it and you know he's like no and then the opening night he says jim i'm gonna watch the film so he does um and it was really lovely because um he the crowd gave him a standing ovation and he came up and um, shook my hand and and as you're walking out he said you know i love it i think you know it's it's completely accurate enough and um i wouldn't change change a thing so um i'm really appreciative of that that's sort of you know you that's what you really want to happen and fortunately it did James Nemo, thank you so much for being a part of Film School today, and thank you for the film, The Peacemaker. Or the... Oh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.